Brian Callen is a stand-up comedian, actor, and podcaster. He's actually on three different podcasts right now. Of course, The Fighter and the Kid, The Brian Callen Show, and Conspiracy Social Club with Sam Tripoli. And he's going to be here in Austin this weekend. That would be April 15th at Vulcan Gas Company for something called Minds Fest, which essentially is an exchange of ideas. A bunch of different people from different walks of life are going to be taking part in roundtable discussions. That includes Brian, whose group goes on stage from 9 to 1030. To get tickets and find out more info, go to VulcanATX.com. Brian, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today, man? I'm just a man. I'm in Texas and uh, feeling American, feeling American. Sounds so dramatic, doesn't it? It does, but we're in dramatic times, so I guess it fits with 2023. Well, I've never really done anything dramatic, and I do feel like we are in dramatic times, and I do feel like there are bad ideas gaining traction, and I don't know how to fight back. So part of being older is realizing that all you can do is kind of shout in the wind (laughs) <laughs> and realize that you are essentially a puppet, a puppet being controlled by forces much greater than yourself and probably forces that are so anonymous as to uh, you'll never put your finger on exactly what's going on. That's very frustrating to me. It is frustrating, but by the same token, I think that there is a pushback going on right now with some of the craziest ideas, of course, many of which are perpetuated on social media, hiding behind the anonymity of a Twitter handle, let's say. But uh, that's why it's important for guys like you to get together for what's happening at MindsFest this Saturday, and that is uh, different people coming together to exchange ideas and doing so in person in the process uh, so for anybody who's maybe curious right now, considering uh, going to Vulcan ATX on Saturday, what exactly is MindsFest? MindsFest, you know, as, as it's been explained to me, really is exactly that. It's Bill Ottman and, and putting together people <coughs> who have different perspectives on, on the world and then having spirited debate and discussion. And, you know, Jordan Peterson said something recently I thought was really kind of profound. He said, you need liberals to argue for what needs to change, and you need conservatives to argue for what needs to say the same. Hmm. And the reason dialogue is so important um, and productive dialogue, where you listen to each other, is exactly that. I worry that social media, this is not new, has pushed us further and further into our echo chambers, and that's... I don't know what to do about it other than this. Keep talking. Yeah, I mean, we as creatures, uh, we tend to gravitate towards uh, those ideas that we're the most familiar with and the most comfortable with, too. So it's human nature to to want to uh, coexist with those who share similar beliefs. But it's also important to have hard conversations, too. And a lot of people well, are good at hard yeah. conversations, and we're in a weird time where feelings are being expressed more than ever, which is a good thing. But by the same token, too many people are allowing themselves to be defined by their feelings versus being able to recognize them, make any necessary adjustments uh, that, that need to happen on their end and continue plowing forward with those lessons learned. That's that my, the, actually the, the problem was, is not that because that's always been uh, a characteristic of human beings. The, the, the real problem, I think, frankly, is 
social media has given everyone a voice. And I don't think that's such a, it, it's like it's become the cult of the amateur artistically and from, uh, from uh, and when it comes to rhetoric and oratory. You have too many young people with half-baked and quarter-baked ideas because they're young, uh, shouting their points of view, finding a community that makes them feel like they belong to some horseshit ideology. And they are able to move the needle and put pressure on companies, et cetera, et cetera, with their purchasing power if they're organized. That I think I'm right about that. I don't like that that college-aged kids, 20-somethings, have this massive amount of power. They, they, when I was in college in my 20s, I didn't know enough about the world to be that opinionated, but I was very opinionated. And, and I was also extreme, which is a natural tendency for someone to be young. It's not a bad thing. It's why you move in together after you've known each other for three days. And that's what romance is about. But it doesn't mean you can build foundations on it. It's not bedrock you can moor into. It's, it's mulch that's going to blow away with the next strong wind. You're, you're formulating your ideas of the world. And more importantly, when you're in your 20s, you're, you're formulating, you're finding your voice. You're finding out who you are. And the only way to do that is to make a lot of mistakes. But I don't want to be drawn up into your tidal wave horseshit. That's what I worry about. So my job is to keep talking, engage in debate. I'm doing this with my podcast now. You know, I have this Brian Callen show and I didn't know what to do with it. And I could talk to people and have smart talk and interview people and do what everybody else is doing. But I'm actually way more interested in hosting and participating in debates. I want to take my ideas and see how they fare against real pushback from intelligent people I disagree with. You know, Destiny is a good example of a guy who I probably am on the other side of the spectrum when it comes to politics in many ways. Smart guy, though, and important for me to talk to. You, you, you need to talk to people who disagree with you because it keeps you honest. You cannot, it keeps your, it keeps you from purifying your echo chamber. You, you have to talk to people who are, for me, I have to talk to people on the left. I have to talk to people like that because they, they challenge liberals and everything else. They challenge you. Um, so, cause I don't want to get too old and stodgy and conservative. I'm probably wrong. Well, and that's one of the great things about Conspiracy Social Club, too, which you co-host with Sam Tripoli, a guy that I've had the pleasure of speaking with on a couple of different occasions, where Sam is a very conspiracy-minded dude, and you are trying to push back on some of these seemingly crazy, but sometimes there's some credence to them, uh, conspiracy-laden ideas. That's what scares me, is that maybe, maybe another function of technology it is, it is um, more possible for an organized, motivated group of activists to, to control a narrative, to push a narrative. There, there seems to be lateral cooperation among, I think, when people use words like elite, you know, I, I don't know, but, but certainly there seems to be lateral cooperation 
I'm more open to the idea that there is there is a more lateral cooperation between media uh, and government and corporations than there ever has been before. There seems to be an incentive for that. There seems to be not only that, but it, you know, um, you, you, you somehow the ideology and the money are a little too close for my comfort. Well, you don't need to look much further than how dissent was squashed during the last three years in dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. And a lot of that is coming out now through investigative reports from the Twitter files and things like that. But there was a concerted effort between governments, corporations, and then also the corporate press to silence those who were asking relevant questions in a lot of instances. Rational, so, so, logical. so that, 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 so as, as a guy who never liked masks and thinks I was very much against shutdowns, I th thought it was outrageous because it was again, again, controlled by people who don't pay a price for being wrong. And certainly lockdowns were being pushed by Hollywood and the media. I will never forgive them because um, that none of those people, none of those people in Hollywood, none of the people you were hearing about were paid a price for this. None of them paid a price. They, they didn't have businesses that were shut down. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't lose a business they built for 25 years. So I don't want to hear it from these, these people. I can't stand them. Having said that, having said that, and I will, they've radicalized me. They, 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 I, I am, they, I am not their friend. Um, they kept my children out of school for two years in masks. They're, I, I, I'll never forget it. So um, they're not my friend and I don't want them to like me. And I never, I used to be Mr. Middle of the road guy and I'm not anymore. <clears throat> so congratulations to all you, all you lockdown Nazis. Now, having said that, having said all that, in a lot of ways, I'm being dramatic when I say all this because I'm, I'm actually more forgiving and less conspiracy minded when it comes to COVID and here's why even though I disagree with the, react, the, the overreaction of lockdowns, <clears throat> masking and all that. I do think people were genuinely confused and in the dark as to what this virus was and what it could mutate into. I also think they didn't know where it came from. I, I think they didn't know the origins at first of most people, most people. And, <clears throat> and then at the, the other side, everybody was kind of like trying to do this by the seat of their pants. You know, maybe we should lock down or we're looking at how many. Remember, in 1987, Oprah Winfrey said one in five heterosexuals will be dead of AIDS. <laughs> we tend to exaggerate these things. If you look at history, though, so sometimes, you know, pandemics have killed that many people. Look at the Spanish flu. Look at the bubonic plague, etc. Um, but polio was devastating. But you can understand that there is panic. And sometimes that panic is warranted if you look at history. And if you are in the business of health or public safety, in, some, in many ways, you have to overreact. But the conversation then becomes how much power do you want to give to your public bureaucrats like Anthony Fauci? Anthony Fauci's job as a doctor is to tell you to be very, very careful. He's a naturally very cautious person, okay? Your doctor, when you go to your doctor and you say, I want to play tackle football, your doctor's going to go, it's not a good idea. It's not good for your head, you know, but we do it anyway. So 
it's a delicate balance. And I think COVID was, we got caught with our pants down. And, and I think, I hope we, we learn from it. And I think we have. The next time you try to put Americans in masks and shut down the economy, <laughs> it's going to be a major political liability. So that's the bright side. Yeah, it most certainly is. All right, we're not going to have serious conversations this entire time, Brian. Of course, right. you are a big fight fan, as uh, maybe your 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 most famous and infamous podcast would suggest. Uh, how crazy was that Stylebender knockout on Saturday? It was nothing short of heroic. That is what greatness looks like. Greatness. That's why Izzy Adesanya will always go down as the goat in, in the 185 pound weight class. He lost three times, knocked out twice, TKO the last one. But unless you've ever been knocked out, you don't understand what that does to you. When you get into that, that gets into your head, man. That guy is a natural 205er. And I got news for you. He could probably fight it heavyweight. Izzy is a skinny 185er. All right. And Izzy felt that guy's power. And the gamble to rope-a-dope, the gamble to get him to come. I know exactly what they were thinking, if I may be so bold, because I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not in a position to talk to. I'm a mere mortal. But I believe the game plan was you can't sit there and take those leg kicks. But you can rope-a-dope. You can cover up and let him close distance and think he can do exactly to you what he did last time. I thought he was dead. Because I said, he can't, you can't let him get that mid-distance because you can't exchange with that guy. But what did he do? They also watched that tape and said, keeps his hands down. Keeps his hands down. When he throws a hook, his other hand is at his hip. Hmm. And just roll, roll, bop. And that's exactly what he did. That's a gamble, man. That's a, that's, that is greatness from his coaching. And that is greatness from him. And I don't know, man. I just... It, it, it just it inspired me. It, it made me, he said, I hope all of you can feel what this feels like. G go for it. You know, try to do the impossible. And I think all of us have, were put on notice. All of us. It just puts you on notice. You, you realize, oh, that's that I'm not. That's that's my that's a hero right there. I'll kiss that guy's feet when I see him. That's interesting what you just said about getting knocked out. When was the last time you were knocked out? Well, I'm not, not, I, I, when people make fun of me, but I did, well, I, I mean, I boxed. Okay. And I've, I, I've never been knocked out boxing, but I've, I've gotten my bell rung and I've gotten where I couldn't chew for a week. Anybody who's boxed know what, knows what I'm talking about. But that's not, I wasn't going, when I was in college and I was, I, I did do full contact sort of, you know, kickboxing slash Taekwondo, but we were, we, we guys got knocked out all the time. And I'd been knocked out, you know, probably a total of four times, enough to to be gun shy. And I was gun shy. Every time you every time you go to your studio, your heart's beating because some of those guys are really good. And and the other thing is that if you can't, if, if you have a if you're training like that or you're boxing like that, you can't take a lot of time off because the guys in the gym are not taking time off. So their timing is different. They're working on different patterns. Then you get in there and you get knocked out. So. Um, but the, the, the answer is the last time I got knocked out for real was, um, uh, oh, let's see, 27 years ago, 
Okay. 28, and I still remember it Damn. really well, which is why I'm super polite to all men I meet, regardless <laughs> of what they look like. Because I know I it, it it's left an indelible mark on how vulnerable and how, what a bitch I really am. You get hit in the jaw, man, or in the side of the head by some by a good kick or a good left hook. Um, it's it's a bad day. Just a good jab, you know. That was also uh, really insightful. What uh, what you just uh, referenced the trainer talking about after that fight with regards to following your dreams. I was just watching Bill Hicks, uh, not Bill Hicks. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Bill Hicks is uh, dead, unfortunately, but I do watch him from time to time. Bill Burr, I was just watching him uh, talk about following your dreams and the importance of doing so, and him talking about some of the struggles that he went through in pursuing his dreams of becoming this world-famous stand-up comedian, which, of course, he is now. You've done so much in so many different entertainment avenues, Brian. What was that initial dream for you in entertainment, though? Was it acting? Was it stand-up? Was it something completely different? It was always acting. Okay. I, I just um, there were there what I would watch De Niro or Christopher Walken and like Deer Hunter. I would watch certain movies, and they were so overwhelming. They were so emotionally overwhelming to me. Um, I would listen to, you know, a Springsteen song or something, and it was just over. It spoke to me so deeply, and all I knew is I wanted to be near that, around that. It was you know, it's like that that Nietzsche Schopenhauer idea of like you forget you're human in small moments. You forget you have to go to the bathroom, have sex, eat, all those things. You're tired when you're inspired, when you see great art. And then I just one day said, what if I could make great art or at least be part of that process mm. and do what my heroes do? Because I just had never felt anything like that. It felt like the truth. It felt like God. Sounds sounds dramatic, but that 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 really, I guess maybe it's, it's all inspiring to see what human beings are capable of doing and the impact they are capable of having at their best. I mean, that is the fundamental difference between us and other animals. That, 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 I mean, that inspiration, when you see somebody playing a, 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 the horn or singing with all those instruments, don't tell me that we're smart chimpanzees. Don't tell me that that's just, oh, we're just using tools. I mean, come on, man. Something else is going on. And I don't want to know what it is. And I don't want to have to, I don't, I don't want to measure it. I just want to feel it. And uh, yeah, man. And laughter is the same thing. I mean, making people laugh. Think about the times you mark in your life. They're not really accomplishments. But they're the times that you, they're intimacy. They're times of adventure when you don't know what's coming next, they are accomplishments, but they're also the times you laughed. Mm. That's the bonding that when you think about your, your friendships, when you think about looking forward to seeing somebody, it's because you wanna recreate that first time you laughed. It's like recreating that kiss. Mm. That dude cracks me up. Tell that story again. I want, I want you to make this guy laugh too. So it's a great privilege to be able to make people laugh. I still can't believe I can do it. I, I really can't. Well, I think that aspect of your prowess as an entertainer and also where you started and what you were initially trying to achieve is 
a great example of uh, the importance of pursuing your dreams, not just for what you're able to accomplish down that avenue, but often pursuing those dreams spawns completely new dreams that you never could have guessed when you started the process. That's that's 100% true. And, you know, somebody once said, one honest action follows the next. Hmm. You know, if you lie in the beginning, you're lying in the end, sort of, you know. But um, I don't think you can create I don't think you can surprise yourself with original self-expression, which is what we're talking about. Yeah. If you, you know, you hear a song you haven't heard before, you hear somebody sing and you're like, damn, his voice or her voice or that song. Like, how do you even come up with that? You know, or you watch Bill Burr and you laugh your ass off. It's because they surprise you. It's because you haven't heard that before or seen that before. You go watch an amazing movie and it changes the way you look at life and how you live your life. It's because they, they kind of jogged your mind. They, 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 they presented to you in technicolor what was actually possible, where the bar really is. They gave it form. And um, I think that's another way of sort of um, talking about a human being's need to get closer to and conceive of and be in beauty. See, beauty is synonymous, synonymous with truth. There's something about beauty. I, I think the Greeks define beauty as harmony. Hmm. Harmony is all, all parts moving as they should. When you watch a cheetah run, it's beautiful. When you listen to a, an amazing song, it's, it, it not only is it harmonious, but it resonates with something inside of you that has already been there. When you watch an amazing, when you, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about um, the reason Harry Potter can be read to eight-year-olds across the globe and all of them are wrapped. It's because it the, the archetypes resonate deeply with something inside of our psyche that has already existed. It seems to fill gaps we didn't even know we had. And again, I think that is, you, you don't know truth. You know truth when you see it and you know truth when you feel it and you know truth when you hear it. And, and, um, and I think that's another way of saying, I, and that's why I use truth and beauty interchangeably. And that's another way of saying, I'm a fucking romantic. <laughs> you guys writing this down? This is so deep. I'll be writing it down a little bit later on, man. I could listen to you philosophize all day. Fortunately, I have three podcasts to get to do so. Last question now, Brian. I believe yeah. this is your first time in Austin since uh, Rogan opened up his comedy club, speaking of beautiful, I can only speak from an audience perspective, but that club bears no expense. Please tell me, we're recording this on a Wednesday. It's going to play on the radio show on Thursday. Please tell me you're getting to pop in for a show or two to uh, get up on stage there. I know that Joe is going to take me on a tour, so I will be with Joe at the Mothership either Friday or Saturday, but I will see what happens. 
Love to hear it. Man, have so, have so much fun with that. Thank you again for the time today. For anybody who uh, wants to check Brian out this weekend, you don't have tickets to the uh, Comedy Mothership, definitely check him out at uh, the Vulcan Gas Company. Saturday night, show starts at 5.30. Brian's roundtable begins at 9, goes all the way to 10.30. Should be a lot of fun. Tickets can be purchased at VulcanATX.com. Brian, thank you so much for the time today, man. Uh, enjoy That's the rest my baby of the in the background right there. It's making too much noise. All right. Uh, you got to thank you so much, Trey. I appreciate you, man. Thanks to Gentleman Jesus for the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. Thanks to you for checking us out. For more of the show and to connect on social media, visit BooksOnPod.com. We'll talk to you next time on Books on Pod.